0: I'm your host, Alexander Hefner, and you're listening to the audio podcast of The Open Mind. I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Chelsea Connaboy. She's the author of the book, Mother Brain. How Neuroscience is Rewriting the Story of Parenthood. Welcome, Chelsea.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Our pleasure. What inspired you to write this book? You've had a really accomplished career across journalism, covering science, um, the Boston Marathon bombing, of course. Um, But when did the spark go off to write this particular book?
1: It really started when my, my first son was born in 2015. And um, I found, you know, I I was ready to have a baby. I was financially stable. I had a great partner. I, as you say, I I was a health and science journalist. I had read all the books and gone to the prenatal classes and everything. And still, I was really overwhelmed with the experience of new motherhood. I was really anxious and worried about my child's well-being, and also worried about the worry. Um, I wondered if it was. Sort of a sign that something was broken or missing in me as a new parent. And because information is really my coping mechanism, <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole of researching, uh, reading the research on maternal anxiety, which, um, uh, you know, I, I learned about how um, the brain is changing in new parenthood in ways that can make us feel more anxious and more hypervigilant. And that led me to the broader point that our brains change, (laughs) that new parenthood is really this distinct developmental stage. And that was completely missing from my prenatal education. And at that time, I think from really the broader cultural conversation around parenthood.
0: That's fascinating. Um, and, And I understand that from reading your introduction to the book. It's often said that it's more difficult for adults to learn a foreign language. Um, What you're teaching us and what your book has introduced in this whole arena of literature is the idea that by having a child, you're going back to school. In effect, you are rewiring your brain in certain ways. Can you explain?
1: Yes, absolutely. So there's one researcher that I love um, whose name is uh, Darby Saxby. She does a, a lot of work on parents but also sort of has a focus on fathers and she says that she she says this every every chance she gets that becoming a parent is a learning process and it takes time and experience and um I think one thing that's really important to know about new parenthood is it's a time of really um intense neuroplasticity so we used to think that the brain kind of stopped changing after adolescence and then we we realized oh no that period of neuroplasticity plasticity extends into early adulthood that teenagers are changing for much longer and then we realized actually neuroplasticity the way that our brain can change at a at the level of 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 the synapse and and receptors and and even structurally that that Um, last over our whole life. And that really shifted how our understanding of the brain. And now with this research of the parental brain, we see that because of the really intense hormonal changes that happen during pregnancy and after, and because of the really intense experience of caring for a baby, who is a really powerful stimuli for the brain, that this time is perhaps has has the highest degree of neuroplasticity of of any point in our adult life potentially.
0: What is the percent of of environmental change versus biological change? Um, yeah. In other words, yeah. You know, how, much, how much are fathers' brains changing too?
1: Right. So yeah, the book is called Mother Brain, but it's it's a, really about parenthood um, more broadly. I talk a lot about how. Um, this is not specific to to females. <laughs> you know, it is really a process that happens across across parents with all people who are engaged in caregiving. We the science is pretty young, and we we have a lot to learn. Um, the research to date has focused pretty intensely on gestational parents. Um, but there is some really fascinating work that's that's are been published and is coming in fathers that shows, that we have um that fathers experience both hormonal changes um, and experience-based changes, that there are changes in both like activity and connectivity in fathers' brains and also in structure, volume changes across areas, particularly related to social cognition. So um uh it, one of the big messages of the book is that experience matters; that it's a process. And another one is that really it happens in anyone, for anyone who who is fully engaged in their with their attention and their energy and in childbearing.
0: In your reporting, which was very much focused on news events and public policy emanating mm-hmm. from daily news stories that you were writing or reading. Uh, I'm I wonder if it if you thought about whether this was creating parenthood mother brain father brain or or one or the other both they were creating a, a gateway or a pathway for for greater compassion um and maybe empathy um that can be channeled in the household but also more broadly
1: Yeah it's something I love to think about it's not at all Um, really grounded in the science yet. Meaning like we don't have the science that, that says, okay, here's how the structure or function of your brain changes in parenthood. And here is how it increases your compassion in some measurable way. Right. But I think a lot of people just anecdotally who are parents would tell you that this role requires you to extend your attention and your care beyond yourself in a way that you you haven't in the same way previously. And there is this really fascinating um, piece of the research thread and the research that um, talks about how, you know, we have these brain circuits that are um, self-referential. They are the, like the circuits that help us to, to create the stories and memories that define us, that help us to figure out who we are and how we exist in the world and to use those to predict um, what's gonna happen in our future and how we might respond to them. And um, these brain networks from the research that we have so far are are changed by parenthood. And one researcher, um, her name is Winnie Orchard, she's based in Australia. And she told me that it's almost like, um, so these, these brain networks are changed in ways that respond kind of uniquely to to baby's cues. And um, she, the way she puts it is that like our sense of ourselves is extended out into the world and now it includes our child. And I think that there's one kind of closed way to look at that, to say, okay, now I, my sense of myself includes my child and I'm gonna protect them against the rest of the world. And there has been some research that has found that Becoming a parent can make us more afraid of the other and um, more protective or or more defensive against other people who are not like us. Um, but I, I, there are other researchers who talk about like the caregiving model in our brain as something that can bridge divides, right? That that can actually connect us to other caregivers, other parents in the world, who, you know, and and help us to to like. Um that that basically becomes like another thread of our compassion, right that we we see other parents and we know how they feel. Um, and I think that that's really powerful, that it can be um something that, if we like tap into is is a really um interesting uh and, yeah, just powerful way to to see other people.
0: What about the unknowing of who your child will be? I don't know mm-hmm. if that was the source of your particular anxiety um, that you identify on the air with me now and also in the book, but um that that seems to be a pretty streamlined and constant concern that if we do believe nature and nurture mm-hmm. are both impactful, and mm-hmm. there is that synergy that defines mm-hmm. who your who your kid or child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. will be um but many of us probably think at least i do that um you know it's a flip of a coin whether it's 75 percent nature and 25 percent nurture or yeah
1: or you can't really it, separate those things right. anyway or, so but, yeah. or
0: or if if you mm-hmm. don't ultimately choose to have a child or mm-hmm. your, your anxiety is heightened by the fact that you think that it could be 90 percent nature mm-hmm. and 10 percent uh Nurture and you think that nurture is going to be more integral in making the person um, helping raise a child that, that is going to share your values. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly there are teachable moments from children to parents too, but how much of that, that motif, that theme of the knowing of who your child will be. Yeah surfaced in the scientific conversations. Right.
1: So I like the last point that you made of how children teach parents also. Um, and I honestly, the nature versus nurture, how how child development unfolds, I'll leave that to other people to answer. I really, I really like explicitly in this book stayed away from child development as much as I could, because there is so much information out there about how parents shape child development and what that, um um, and the different ways that that can go. Uh, I'm kind of more interested in in this project at least in how children shape parents. And um, one thing that is um, um, becoming clear in in the research is that your brain really is there is not this like maternal or or parental circuitry that's sort of ready made. And just kind of clicks on in your brain, right? So it it's something that grows and develops in you. And it grows, it changes, it, it grows in response to your actual child, right? So like who, the person that you're your baby comes with like agency and their own genetics and their own, so there are there are pieces in place already. And and so that the way they behave, even from early infancy helps you, shapes you, and shapes your brain into, into hopefully who your child needs you to be. So one example is that there are some researchers, and these are still small studies that need to be replicated and expanded upon, but there's a, a study that looks at the brains of, of parents who had babies in the NICU who were preterm, relatively healthy, but were preterm. They did brain brain imaging of those mothers and compared it to brain imaging of mothers who were had babies at full term, and they found that there was a heightened activity in brain regions um, related to trying to read and respond to another person's emotions and and social cues in the in the NICU mothers. And researchers said that this might be like essentially. Um, the brain responding to the reduced cues that they were getting from their babies and the brain essentially like working harder to read them and respond to them. And so I think there is this sense that the that it's a two way street that that we shape our babies' brains and they shape our own and I I find a lot of comfort in that honestly for exactly the point that you're talking about of like who we don't know who our children are going to be we don't know what the exactly they're going to need from us in terms of their social and emotional development and their physical needs and you know whatever it may be but I I have two very different kids and I have taken a lot of comfort in the idea that. I am growing in ways that support them, that support who they are. And I just sort of need to like turn to them and look at them and do my best to meet them where they are. And And it's gonna be hard, but I also am, am adapting. I have like this flexibility in my brain that will help me grow toward them.
0: As a non-parent, this is very instructive and perhaps a preview of things to come. Uh, um, what would you say was the most Profound change, if you could qualify it, you described it just now in, in your adaptability. Yeah. yeah, if there were more profound uh, neurological changes that you've experienced that you think will um, carry through
1: Yeah.
0: parenthood um, mm. and, you know, you're always a parent, but yeah. carry through the developmental stage of your children. Yeah, yeah. And, when they graduate college, if they graduate college? Right. First job. Yeah,
1: It's a great question. So so just to start with sort of a caveat is that the research we have today is, again, it's still a young field. It really stops after the immediate postpartum period. We, there are a couple of studies that look a little farther out from that, but there's like a whole middle life <laughs> section that has been almost completely unstudied. I think it's wild that we haven't studied the role of parenthood in shaping an adult, the adult brain. It's really ripe for research. Um, and but I will say we do have a few studies that look at um, the brains of parents in much later life. So there are, are studies um, in, from out of Europe and in Australia that take these big data banks of, of brain imaging, I'm talking tens of thousands of, of people, and they um, compare the brains of parents and non-parents and use computer modeling to look at lots of data points in each brain. And they have, the researchers have found that parents' brains are what the researchers themselves call younger looking. So they think that there is like a neuroprotective effect potentially of parenting, which makes sense if you think of it, because children provide intense social and emotional challenges over a long period of your life. If you have multiple children, they have different challenges and you have to rise to meet them in different ways. And so it's thought that there is this like protective factor, that it's a kind of like enrichment for your brain, which is not to say that like parenting is the only enrichment at that level, but it's it is one, and that I love those studies because it it's such a strong counterpoint to this idea of mommy brain that women in particular are compromised by pregnancy and motherhood that we become these forgetful, frazzled, less competent people, um, and. Um, while there are certainly struggles in it, and it's important to like acknowledge and support people through those struggles. It's just not not true. Do
0: you think the science has not been pursued because it would just be too difficult as mm-hmm. there are other formative stages, both within parenthood or childhood, mm-hmm. to which you could attribute those same biological or interpersonal changes? And of course, a lot of non childhood or parenthood events uh being promoted being fired um you know your the entire world world of your professional life which is all consuming in the united states uh, yeah. um but uh, is is that why you think it, it hasn't been done in terms of capturing how the mother brain or father brain yeah. evolved beyond that initial period
1: i mean we have more science on sports psychology and the effects of gambling on the brain than we do have on the effects of of parenting on the brain or the connection between parents' brains and, and children's brains, the most fundamental relationship in 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 our lives. And we we are only just beginning to understand it. I think there's a few reasons for that. One is um so so a lot of this work is done by MRI and fMRI, which are, are technologies that have advanced and, and gotten more, um, become more advanced, I would say in the last 20 to 30 years. So we, you know, we're using those now and building this body of research. But again, we have, even within the brain imaging, we have much more in other area, much more work done in other areas that might be less consequential to the broader population. I think that parenting and mother motherhood in particular has not for a long time been deemed worthy of study. Um, and I think, it, I mean, we know it's been underfunded in, in lots of different ways, not just in the brain, but also study of postpartum depression and other mood and anxiety disorders. Um, Uh, clinical care of around pregnancy. Like there are these things that we're playing catch up on because, because it hasn't been deemed worth studying. And, and I I argue in the book also because we've had this narrative around maternal instincts, this idea that mothers are natural nurturing uh, um, people that were kind of made to be mothers. It's already innate in us. And so, We've, we've, have in many ways carried forward what are like these religious and moral ideas about what a mother is. And I think that's really been an obstacle to getting at, at the truth of this of, of how, how we are, how we develop and grow into parents and who can do it, right? Whose biology equips them <laughs> or opens the door for them to become caregivers. And that's really um, something that's true for all, all human adults.
0: And now that you have been a parent uh, to two young people beyond the period that's been studied, what are you most curious about studying?
1: Oh my gosh, um,
0: In terms I... of your impact on you, I suppose, and, and your impact on them as well, although yeah, I don't the development side as much.
1: I am very interested in the question of what it means to have multiple kids. Even in early postpartum period, we don't have a lot of research on that. like. What? How does the brain respond to the demands of multiple children at once, and how does that change over time? I just having one kid is one thing, and it's a really transformative experience. Um, but you know, I don't know how much you know about like attachment theory. It's it's this theory that really has shaped so much of what we understand about child development, and it also has these huge implications for our social policies and. Clinical care and education, and it really studies a mother and a baby in space, and doesn't really account for other relationships. And so, I'm I'm really interested in like what happens when there are you're you're having to split your attention, and and um, and also when you start factoring all in all those societal pieces too, in terms of financial stability and and um, other relationships, and violence, and climate change, and racism, but also resiliency factors. You know, there, there's just, honestly, there's so much more to learn, um, and um, and I guess from just, like, a personal perspective, I think that we're kind of a long ways away from this research, but I, I'm interested in creativity, and, um, you know, we have a lot of research around creativity, but not within the context of Parenting, but um, Allison Gopnik is a famous um, child development psycho- a, a specialist and, and psychologist, and she um, calls kids. I think the, her phrase is something like the, the blue sky. The blue sky thinkers, you know, they are the R and D of our society um, and coming up with the new ideas. And I think that is so true. And I wonder about what happens when my brain has changed in ways that make me better able to connect with those blue sky thinkers, you know, my, I'm more close, more closely able to connect with my children. How does that then influence my own sense of the world and creativity?
0: I'm interested in your reaction about more than one child. I, I would be interested in that question too, because of the fact that usually I think in most cases, at least anecdotally, your two kids don't have identical personalities. They, they are different. And, yeah. how, and how that balance um, can yeah. be helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if you only have one child, your brain is going to respond only to the stimuli you're seeing mm-hmm. that are ultimately derived from their behavior and personality. Mm-hmm. If you have two children, then it creates a more complex but potentially balanced picture, and maybe mm-hmm. healthier chemical reactions going on here. So, once two things. Through, once you get through, <laughs> right, right, one or two for, for, for yeah.
1: Two two things I want to say about that. One one is, um, you know, the 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 initial transition to parenthood is especially intense, <laughs> and the research seems to indicate that like. We go through these pretty massive changes, and the kind of basic architecture of our brain uh, around caregiving is changed. Is changed, and that um, the thought is that that those many of those changes last. And one reason they last is that we might do it again, right? Like so, we are that parental brain. Some pieces of it, anyways, will kind of be in place and ready for the children who come. But a P, a very important um, uh, factor in our, in in the parental brain in general is a very important characteristic of it is is flexibility. That what we're learning to do is to 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 fine tune our capacity to read another person's emotions and mental states and needs and respond to them and also regulate our own emotions in the process. And so that is like a very flexible thing. It's a skill that can change with with uh, adjust, I guess, according to to your child. I I will say for my own, I, I feel that in my own parenting. Like I I have two very different kids. When my second child came along. I really felt myself learning things from him that were different than what I learned from my first kid and then applying them to my parenting in general. so like i i I really felt that flexibility and i i I you know every family is different, but for me, what you say is certainly true, the kind of like balancing um of needs and and characteristics and what they've they've taught me.
0: Chelsea, we're about out of time. One final question yeah. How were your views at all changed about public policy? So, and and do expand on this because it's important. You and I have yeah. both come from a journalistic background. Uh, how, did did your mother brain alter your views on any significant public policy issues?
1: Oh, and entirely, all of them, really. Um, well, I, I
0: take, take, take the time you need because yeah, we
1: can't
0: it, so take the time you need to answer that.
1: So um, with, with
0: as much specificity as possible. <laughs> okay.
1: So I, let me say I, I was a working full time as a newspaper journalist when my first son was born. I had 12 weeks of paid leave. I thought that was pretty good. And, um and I look back on that now and realize it wasn't enough. <laughs> and not only that, but you know, the United States is one of six countries in the world that don't have a federally mandated paid leave program. Most of the, some of those other six are, or other five are are um, countries you can't see on the map because they're small island nations. All of our peer countries have in terms of income, with GDP have paid leave programs and not 12 weeks. I mean, I'm talking 24 weeks or more. And that's because it makes sense to have that. It makes sense for families to have as healthy a possible, as possible transition.
0: Author of Mother Brain, Chelsea connaboy thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for your interest and your time.
0: Please visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash Open Mind to view this program online or to access over 1,500 other interviews. And do check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Open Mind TV for updates on future programming.